What is up? I am Miguel Antonio, and this is the Live and Create Podcast. It's where I interview artists and entrepreneurs about what it means to live a great life and create great things. On today's episode, we have health coach and musician Rusty Osborne. Rusty is passionate about helping musicians live their happiest and healthiest lives. It was the musician lifestyle of late night gigs and partying that finally took its toll on him, and it sent him down this journey of finding his own healthy path, and then eventually led him to start helping others do the same. And with his company, Find Your Total Health, he has helped clients lose 700 plus pounds, and no doubt that number is going to keep rising. Now, if you're a musician, you've lived that late night gig life or that tour life, no doubt you're going to relate to some of his story of an unhealthy cycle that you can get stuck in. We also talk about breaking free to a better lifestyle. We talk about entrepreneurship, and then he leaves us with a great thought from Frozen 2 to take your best next step. It's a great one. Enjoy. The Live and Create Podcast. I, I'm realizing like we have some similarities, like we, we kind of done the music touring thing. Uh, we're also both on this kind of health journey thing, but there was something I discovered actually today. I was going through your Instagram. Uh, we both are in a small little club. It's a club of people who know the pain and the, and the fear and the anxiety of waking up in the morning and not knowing where their guitar was because they left it <laughs> at a venue and, and like that, that scramble. So I'm curious. So you left your bass guitar behind and it sounds like it's almost a piece of, of how you got to where you are today as well. But I'm curious yeah. about what that was like for you to wake up <laughs> after your <laughs> venue, your bass is gone. And, and now you're having to like, look at life. Like, how do I get this thing back? Yeah, that was a, that was a hell of a day, man. <laughs> that was a hell of, it was a hell of a night too, obviously. And that's why I left it somewhere. Um, the good and, nights and, tend to lead to hell, hell of a day. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. The, the night before, I mean, there was plenty of questionable decisions, almost was arrested, should have been arrested. <laughs> like one of those kind of nights. And uh, it's cause our, this, the band that I was playing with that night, we had an early slot. Normally I was playing later, right? right. So you got to be on your game if you're going to be playing the headline. Right. Yeah. You can't drink a ton night. during that time. Yeah. <laughs> right. But if you're done at 9 PM and there's free booze, like, Oh, well, why not? Right. So exactly. wake up heads pounding. Well, what have I done? Okay. I'm going to get my stuff together. I'm going to get my, my instruments together to go teach. Cause I, I was had a teaching gig at the time, right. Just doing the private lessons thing out of a school. And the bass isn't there. What do you mean it's not here? <laughs> like it goes right here in this spot in the closet. Like what did I do? <laughs> and it's not even my bass, man. This is I borrowed it from uh, from a guitar player, Ooh. and I'm I'm like honestly shit myself at this point. Like what have I done? <laughs> I called the venue we played at. I I drive around everywhere in town i'm calling my friends that i remember vaguely seeing and like okay well we picked these people up over on this corner so i must have moved it out of the car to put up the back seats like i'm driving around looking for it in gutters like where the hell is it my anxiety is rising just as you describe dude, the story it's like oh. the whole day like i thought i hit rock bottom when i woke up and felt like i did but then as it goes on and i have to see that guitar player that day because he's teaching at the music school with me and I have to pretend like I didn't lose his bass. Right. Like, oh, we're and, cool. His bass yeah, is great. great. I just wanted to bring my P bass today instead of that one that I normally play. <laughs> just kind of feeling uh, this vibe today. <laughs> right. And uh, finally get home after I vow to quit all my vices and, and, and shape up for good. And it, the bass is sitting next to my front door. What? 
wow, are you kidding me? My neighbor said that, oh yeah, I found it. It was, uh, it was next to your garage. And I, I, when I went to work this morning, I grabbed it and I put it on your balcony. Nice. Like, oh, so I freaked out all day. I deserved that freak out, man. I, I, I really deserved that much anxiety because I just went so far off the deep end again. Right. So there, for you, it you was know? kind of a pattern at this point, like mm-hmm. the late nights drinking and, and all that. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you know, when you're playing in a band, that's like one of the eight nights a week kind of things, you know, we're basically touring around Southern California, but staying close enough that we can go home and sleep at night, which is awesome. Right. But we're playing so much. All the food is free. All the booze is free. There's always things to do. Plus I'm working all day. Like, and so if I'm teaching all day and then I go play at night, I'm also kind of blowing off steam, mm-hmm. you know? And so you get in this pattern of, hustle and play the gig and party and then wake up hungover oh okay let's do this again (laughs) over and over and uh yeah man it was just not not good for me and i would wake up because i wanted to be healthy right so Mm -hmm. yeah this just playing into the cycle that you mentioned like i'm sure you've done this too but you wake up like oh i partied again last night i better punish myself with a run yeah well and i one of your videos you mentioned like doing an ultra run like oh, yeah. after binging all night, like what, what does that look like? How do you even pull that oh. off? Cause I I'm into endurance sports. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. doing like Ironman, uh, California in October, that kind of stuff. I'm like, how the hell do you binge all night and then run an <laughs> ultra? Like what, what were you doing, man? <laughs> Training <laughs> on both ends. <laughs> like I had a, I had a personal trainer at the time. And because okay. uh, I had started my health journey a bit, me and my drummer were going, we're crushing it at the gym with this trainer. He's just like wrecking us every like two days a week. We'd go Tuesday and Thursday, but it was intense, you know, so you're recovering the rest of the week. Right. And we also partied a lot. And so I was working out hung over every time or still drunk. Yeah. So you're, you're so, coming in and you're like, I'm, I'm already kind of here. I'm, I'm yeah, <laughs> right. And so because of that, I kind of had, I, I've got this tolerance to booze, got the tolerance to all these terrible foods. And then I'm like, honestly, really fit, but still really fat because I was doing this to myself. Gotcha. So I figured running, man, if I run that much, like I've got to lose weight. Right. No matter how right? much beer you're drinking the night before. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> And so the last uh, like ultra that I did was just a couple of weeks before the, the rock bottom moment that we just covered. Okay. And uh, my trainer said, okay, here, here's what you're going to do because my buddies that are Olympic cyclists do this. You're going to have your, your pregame uh, like energy shot. Okay. So you're going to take your shot of whiskey or whatever your favorite booze is. Mind you, like the ultras start at five in the morning, right? I'm about right. to run up a mountain. So, so he's saying a-, a shot of whiskey before your ultra... Marathon. Plus a painkiller, like you, whatever your favorite, your go-to, like Motrin or Advil or something. Plus uh, your favorite caffeine. So of course I chose like a five-hour energy shot. Like let's let's do this. I'm not here to mess around. I feel sick so, to my stomach right now. <laughs> I know, but dude, I I'd, I'd run this one mountain up and down so many times in training, and the uh, best time I had was a little under four hours on this run. Damn, and okay. I crushed it in two and a half hours. Wow, <laughs> no, that's problems. amazing. It was awesome, but I still had another 30 miles to run that day. It didn't work out. I got pretty hurt. <laughs> in, in so. your de- Are you familiar with Rich Roll at all? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that his story of, of going through the swimming, that's actually him and David Goggins are the ones that got me into the endurance uh, stuff. And yeah. hearing his story of struggling with drinking 
with mm-hmm. swimming and then how that ultimately, it's like, you can only do some of those things for so long. And it's just, right. I, I think even for us, like on tour, uh, we realized real quick, we couldn't eat like shit anymore. Cause we felt mm-hmm. horrible every weekend. Then we started touring longer. We actually had yeah. crock pots and would cook shit like soups and <laughs> in, in our hotel room eventually. So we learned that part. Um, yeah. and that made us feel so much better. But mm-hmm. the habit you talked about is like this drinking thing. That's, uh, my bass player, my old bass player, he was part of the podcast and we were lamenting our lives on the road where like, it was great, but I always felt like at nighttime I needed wine or whiskey or something to wind down. Mm-hmm. It's like here, I needed this chemical to bring me down. And then in the morning I needed a fuck ton of caffeine to, <laughs> to get me back mm-hmm. on the road. And, and it's like, I picked up that cycle that even when yeah. we stopped touring, I just was stuck in and then, yeah. And then you start pushing. It's like, I can't keep doing this. I I don't feel good anymore. So, so you, you have this athleticism that's kind of off the charts. Like most people probably can't (laughs) imagine running for two hours, let alone running for two hours up a mountain, but Mm -hmm. you recognized that you still weren't really healthy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, And it comes from these, like you mentioned, these cycles, you know, and, and whether or not, your actions are that intentional, your body and your mind is still looking for routine mm-hmm. every time. So you want to figure out how to put in some routines that are helpful because you're going to fall into a routine anyways. That's why some people have a routine of a ton of coffee in the morning, ton of whiskey at night, like I did. Right. right? That's why some people have a routine of not doing almost anything with their day. Wake up, get on your phone, right? Mm-hmm. And then you're, you're on TV watching Netflix for how long? Right. Or you could have the routines of doing helpful things, you know, bringing the crock pot on tour. <laughs> like we, we bring our instant pot. We've got an instant pot that we bring out awesome. with us always on travels. Like you could cook anything in that, yeah. you know? And so because of that, that, that comes back to the routines that I had at the time, which just so everybody knows my life isn't a shit show anymore. <laughs> like I, I figured this out, right? <laughs> yes. That's why we're you, talking. You broke free. You broke free. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. You know, I, I lost 85 pounds. I, I put on, 25 pounds of muscle and and now I help other people do the same thing and it comes from experiencing this kind of shit and being able to to learn from it right you know yeah. so I totally forgot what your question was because it's, I just got so excited about that really I was, I was just <laughs> diving into this concept yeah. that you can be working out you can be doing some of the mm-hmm. the things that seem healthy but you're actually not healthy uh right in the in the end like there's other choices and but I, I like the thing you you bring up with routines like no mm-hmm. matter what, you're going to have a routine. I think it was Tony Robbins said something about like the time's going to pass no matter what. So mm-hmm. it's you, you can be intentional with it or you cannot like in the same, right. I, I love that perspective though, of the routines are going to happen. You're going to do mm-hmm. things that are going to happen every single day. Are you being intentional to make it a positive change for you? What were some of the first steps that you took to kind of break that cycle that you were in? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. So running was, was part of it, right? I, at first I just was like, I I remember sitting at work, I was working at some batting cages, right? Literally just like sell some tokens, go fix a machine once in a while. Right. And I was, uh, overweight and I mean, I was obese technically and, and just done with it. Finally, like, man, I got to do something. (laughs) And so uh, my first step was like, is there an app on my phone that'll help? I don't know. Let's like, and I downloaded like four of them and just started right. using them. I started Where'd walking. Where'd you go with? Where was the uh, one that? I got, um, Fidocracy was one that kind of like gamified. It, I don't know if it's still okay. around anymore. I haven't, I haven't heard of that one. Yeah. It was like, you would log your workout and you get points or like gold okay. stars or like 
whatever it was, you know? And so you get, uh, medals for doing so many runs or so many workouts or whatever. So that kind of started it. And then I got my fitness pal, like, well, other people, uh, I don't know, they log their calories, right? Maybe I should try that. Right. So, which I found out really started with the the health thing. So I cut you off though. Sorry. (laughs) No, it's all good. Yeah. I just was going to like, found out that calorie counting really didn't work for me. And and I was still obese when I was counting calories and I was walking and then running and doing all these things. It's there's, uh, that can work for some people in the short term to get it going. Mm -hmm. But as far as a sustainable picture, we found that it really isn't a sustainable practice. What made it, I, I have my own opinions about it too. Cause I, yeah. I no longer did my fitness pal either. <laughs> it was a good <laughs> yeah. start. Um, but I'm yeah. curious for you, what was it that made it unsustainable for you? Um, I felt like garbage when I was too few on calories and because I already had this really built in cycle of binging. Right. Yeah. And I was straight up food addicted. Mm-hmm. I would crush it. I'd go six days of under my calorie limit. Life is good. And day seven, dude, I had so much food. Bear all claws and all sorts of shit. Yeah. And like- <laughs> when you look at the week total, I'm still 5,000 calories over. I'm not kidding when I, when I tell you I had over 10,000 calories in a day on a regular basis. Yeah. Like, it's it I could Well, do it. and that's, for me, it was, I was angry. I was like oh, just yeah. angry all the time. And, and finally I just <laughs> took, cause all I was doing, like you said, all I was doing is watching those calories on my mm-hmm. fitness pal. And mm-hmm. I remember like talking to some people, some people I knew who did like marathons and stuff, super into fitness. And they started looking at it with me. They're like, Oh, because you're like, you have, you're taking in horrible calories <laughs> for the <laughs> small amount of calories you're giving yourself. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so that, yeah, that turned me on like a whole different, a whole different kind of journey. I'm, I'm more like macros based. And Mm -hmm. honestly, I think of eating as my part-time job (laughs) with with the endurance (laughs) stuff. My eating is, is like a whole different thing now because it's like, as you know, doing those kind of events, it's, it's Mm -hmm. part of your fuel, uh, Mm -hmm. in there. But so you went from counting calories, uh, you're binging at this point. Mm -hmm. What, when it comes to eating healthy for you as a musician, as, as just as a dude who's trying to get healthy, (laughs) what was it that that helped you find that, that healthy point and actually start the weight loss, the weight loss, uh, journey, uh, but Mm -hmm. in a healthy way. Yeah. It, it, everything's a journey, you know, everything is always like, let's do the next right thing. Mm -hmm. You know, let's, let's take the next step. And I use that line all the time. It's one of my mantras that I got from frozen Two, one of the best movies. I swear to God, (laughs) I've not seen it. My boys don't want to watch it. And so I've just never like sat They're always like, like, come on guys, we watch frozen. Cause you got to blame it on the kids. Right. (laughs) Right? Anyway. So (laughs) say that again. I watch it for myself. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Yeah. I I just need a, I need a man up and watch them on my own. Let's have a watch party, man. Let's do this. There we go. (laughs) But there's some real great wisdom in that and and Mm -hmm. just do the next right thing is what she says at one point like i don't know what to do next man like what's the next right thing so literally i started walking and i would walk longer and then i started running and then i injured myself running and then i got back to running (laughs) and then i like well i should probably eat better right and so i'm uh doing what everybody says you should do eating this many whole grains eat uh all like these carbohydrates before every run and and i when i went to do my marathon i'd wake up two hours early just to have a peanut butter and banana sandwich, fall back asleep for an hour and then go out to and and dedicate. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. Once I, once I'm in, I'm in, but I was still fat. I was still the guy running down the street with that big old belly. (laughs) 
okay, well then what the hell's the next right thing? I'm frustrated. It's whiskey. And so I would go out the deep end again. <laughs> Me, it was until, wine. So I feel yeah. you. <laughs> right. I was like, until why can't I lose night, weight? Yeah. I, oh, it's because I'm drinking a fuck ton of wine every single night. <laughs> that will get you, man. And it's not even just the alcohol, but like the inflammation that it brings with it, then yes. the worst judgments, and then the sleeping in, and then the breakfast burrito the to try and it's when you, up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, exactly. so you start, you're starting to run and then you're starting now the next steps of identifying, yeah. okay, this is a hindrance, this whiskey, this is my whiskey glass for anyone watching yeah. the video. <laughs> but, uh, so were yeah. there anything else? What were some of the next steps after, you know, yeah. uh, it, it pushing was, out it, the whiskey and those kind of things? Yeah. It, it took a really like a nutritional, like overhaul. Hmm. My wife came home one day. She's like, I heard of this thing like called whole 30. What's, what's that all about? And so we tried that out and, and that revolutionized a lot. Okay. And it's because through a, a process like that, and what we use with our clients uh, is similar, but more robust. And so we're able to pinpoint exactly which foods are going to trigger you like in, hmm. into some in inflammation or into some emotional eating or into what is it, what are these foods doing to you? Right. So we are able to start pinpointing exactly what works best for us. Well, and that's what reading so. about what you do with your clients, I thought it was really interesting mm -hmm. and really important that you make it more of an individual thing. Um, mm -hmm. I've, I've seen too often, even my own journey, like for me, I was like keto because everyone I knew was doing keto and they're having <laughs> a lot of, and then I did my first half Ironman and almost died. I felt like, because I guess what, it wasn't working for my body. Yeah. <laughs> and and so I switched all those things per my body and per my needs and, and found a whole new, like, Oh, this is how it can be. Um, I think yeah. people miss that in the midst of all the fads. Um, what, what does it look like for you to identify for people and maybe you can even start with like your own story of that, but yeah. maybe for your clients or you, what does it look like to identify like, this is what is healthy for you and how you're going to mm -hmm. feel the best and perform the best. Yeah. Great question. Great question. And so the, the result that we're looking for, right. Is what is going to feel best? What is going to get me to my goals? And like you said, just because your friends were doing keto doesn't mean it works for you, right? right? If your drummer is vegan, should you be vegan? Maybe. You're not your drummer. You're not even your mom. Like, you guys are different. <laughs> My you vegan friends want me to be vegan, though, but well, that's uh, all. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Vegans, I love you. Like, most of your friends, it's some great stuff. I so. do. I've learned, uh, I have a good friend, Eddie, that we met uh, through touring, and he he actually, our whole family did a, a seven days vegan as a whole family. Oh, yeah. Like, and, all my boys, everything. We actually loved it, but I was like, I just, it's, it's not for me, but I learned a lot mm -hmm. that I incorporated into my actual diet, but yeah. Yeah. And that's the beauty of these different things is like, and bringing it back to the, the result that we're looking for, which is how do you figure out what works best for you? You've got to try different things. You need to experiment for like two months straight. My wife and I were doing vegetarian dinners. I felt great when I woke up in the morning. Nice. No, that was cool. But then I started losing some muscle. Like, okay, bring me a mistake, please. <laughs> <laughs> Need some protein in there. Got to pump it Bro. up. <laughs> yeah, right. Protein, right? Protein. So, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. So, so we go through a process of taking out things that are typically inflammatory for most people. And then we systematically and specifically reintroduce these different foods. Right? So we can see, hmm. oh, okay, like dairy, cow dairy is going to give you really bad gas. You specifically, that might be a reaction. For me, uh, cow dairy, I feel fine all day till I go to sleep. My nose gets so stuffed up, I can't breathe. 
enter like the mucus and those kind of things kind yeah. of fill in but, from it. Right. But if I have goat cheese or sheep cheese, totally cool. No problems at all. Hmm. Right. So we can pinpoint it to this level. You'll enjoy this one. If I uh, am on stage, someone brings up a shot of whiskey mm-hmm. and I take that, I forget lyrics within five minutes. I've pinpointed oh. it to whiskey and lyrics gone. Tequila, on the other hand, no problems. <laughs> Not a problem at all, man. Bro, when the tequila busts out for me, there's lots of problems. <laughs> I whiskey, I could do all night. It's a, yeah. I'm like, oh shit, someone's bringing out some tequila, but <laughs> right, yeah. Dude. So you you immediately forget things right at mm-hmm. that moment. Okay, yeah. so if yeah, I'm buying you a shot when you're when you're performing, mm-hmm. get you tequila. So. Yeah, Casamigo Silver, please. Okay, there you go. Yeah. You all heard it right here. Next time when it opens back up, he's performing. You better be throwing that down for him. Not yeah, too one. much though. <laughs> yeah, I'll take one on stage and, and one after, and that, there there we go. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it, it comes back to these routines and what works best, and yeah. and we through that process, then we can start realizing, okay, if this is how I feel on these foods and I can start to pinpoint these different uh, feelings or different uh, inflammatory reactions that I get, right? Now I can start to use that to uh, better different health foundations. Mm -hmm. So I know that if I have like a bulletproof coffee in the morning, feeling good, man, no big deal. If I have the same thing past 12 o'clock, I feel lethargic. I don't feel good. It's the same thing that's low in inflammation for me and normally makes me feel great, but the timing of it is off. Hmm. And then I can say, oh, if I go to bed after 10 p.m., then every time that I wake up, or it, well, I guess, let me think, what time is it at? When I go to bed after 11 o'clock normally is when the next two days are just off. Huh. And I found that I'm able to listen to my body that way because of the process of learning how the food's interact so it's not like i'm just giving you the fish of like go vegan you know or teaching you to fish of like here is why to do a keto diet right Right. but it's like teaching someone how to hunt and fish and trap and how to come up with their own ways of like incorporating new healthy foundations and really building their best lifestyle Mm -hmm. because every single person has to have something different for fitness for nutrition, for sleep, for stress, for emotional fulfillment, for their career, different activities in your, uh, in your life are going to bring you more energy than other ones. Right. So this applies directly to your business too, because if you're uh, sitting on uh, Instagram doing the, the marketing, you're going out and doing some outreach and, and meeting people, and it's just draining you, you probably should find something that's not going to drain you so you can sustain your energy through the day. Right. But you can't find those things out unless you've really gone through a process of learning how to listen to your body at that level. It's interesting. I don't know if this connection works for you, but it it almost sounds like it's like meditation with food in a way. <laughs> um, because when yeah. I think of meditation, it's about trying to understand my my body, what's going on internally, physically, mm-hmm. physiologically, um, but spending the time to really see and really notice and understand how it's affecting you, impacting you. And, and man, you, you saying the word lifestyle, that, that really hits me because I, I've had a problem with like in the past trying to do those like 30 day challenges or those kind of things where they might be a good like jump start. But mm-hmm. what I've seen in, in my own past, and then I've seen in other people is like, if you do those often, you just fall off as opposed to mm-hmm. finding Uh, kind of back to frozen Two, that the right, the right next step, finding that next thing that's going to help you grow and it becomes a lifestyle so that ultimately, you know, you're, you know, 
we're 70 and we're still healthy. We still can go on a mm-hmm. run. We, we still feel good and still have energy to play with our grandkids, those kind of things. It's like yeah. if we have that long-term look, it, it makes all the difference. And that's, that's mm-hmm. awesome that you are focusing on that. I love it. Thanks, man. Thanks. And that literally, like, I love helping people lose weight and feel good right then. But really, our entire goal, the number one thing, and every time a client enrolls with us, I say, like, here's the deal, guys. Like, we're going for sustainability. You are going to lose weight quick. That's what we do. That's that's fun. That's great. But it doesn't matter unless it sustains. I want you to be living your best lifestyle, like you said, through 70, through 80. Well, I mean, with advances in science, none of us should be dying before 100 unless we accidentally get like hit by a bus, right? right. <laughs> and, I just warned my boys. I was like, yeah, I'm probably going to live to like 100, 100 plus. Like the way oh, medicine's yeah. going, like you just wait. You just Yeah, wait. <laughs> and I'm still going to kick your ass. Right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. definitely. <laughs> right, and so that's the only thing that matters to me. Is that these li- the, the, the lifestyle shifts in a way that's sustainable, in a way that makes you feel great, in a way that like, it can really make you feel good for the long term. Right? It's not just right. living a long time, but you know, that's lifespan versus health span. I don't want to be 100 years old and like in a wheelchair, decrepit with no brain. I want to be 100 years old going for a run. Right. There, there's a guy at my gym. Uh, before we moved, it was a different gym than I'm at now. And, uh, I'm, I'm like on the bike and mm. it's this older gentleman next to me and he just bike along as well. And we, we're, we start talking, strike up a conversation and, uh, and he says something where it made me ask him like, how old are you? He goes, well, I'm 99. I was like, no, you're not. No, no way. Cause he's no. like coherent and having a great, I think of 99 as like, you're on your deathbed, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, and like, no shit. Like we got off and he shows me his ID and he's 99. I think he lived, I think it was like 102, 103, something like that. Cause they, he was there all the time talking to people and, and like, he was still just getting around, like doing little <laughs> laps up there. And, and I was like, I love that. It was one of the first times it made me think like, could I be that guy? You know, like ultimately that's going to come and there's realities to, to the way we live in this physical world. But how Mm -hmm. do you, like, he had so much joy, like to, like, I remember them posting pictures of him afterwards, like up in the gym, because like that guy brought joy and life to people. And no doubt he had to have some kind of lifestyle choices that helped him get there. And that's cool. It sounds like you're going to be helping that the next 99 year old people who's like making a mid 30 (laughs) guy at the time (laughs) go like, shit, I better keep working. This guy's going. Yeah, Yeah, man. That's the idea. (laughs) Now. So the music world, how long have you been in the music world and, and playing, Mm -hmm. performing, doing all that? Yeah. I started uh, like teaching guitar when I was 15 and I did that for uh, like 14 years. And so I was teaching guitar, bass. I taught saxophone for a bit because okay. I was playing those instruments through school, had bands out like through middle school, high school. And right after high school started the first like pro band where, okay, we're going to go play the gigs. Nice. Let's go do this. So we're doing the weddings, we're doing the bars, we're doing all that kind of stuff. And I kept that going really um, until basically the pandemic. Right. Like most of us. Right. And so that was that's just the reality of life. And and thank God that I had already started this business and was already helping people. And this was thriving in a way that it wasn't like scrambling to make it happen. You yeah. know, and, and if anybody out there was stuck in that, like I feel for you, I understand. Like, I'm glad that we're all adapting. Right. But the last gig that I played was uh, mid-July. Wow. And it was a it was a live stream. 
It was super okay. cool. Like great big setup. John Legend had played the same stage the week before us with the same. Not like, bad. Setup. Not so bad it felt pretty cool for like yeah. a, a rowdy country band. <laughs> and so that was, uh, it was pretty neat. And, and I loved it, but it was so anticlimactic, hmm. which is kind of a bummer. Yeah. So what, what was it that made it anticlimactic for you? Oh, we were, I mean, we were playing so much before big stages, Vegas, the whole, you know, all the, the good stuff. And, <laughs> and instead you're like, staring at a lens. Yeah. <laughs> right. With our in-ear monitors, there's not even like real noise out and air bumping through or like a crowd cheering. So it's just like, yeah. it's all the cameramen here, you know, it's like <laughs> just us like jumping and me yelling. And so it just felt kind of uh, odd, I guess, you know, right. you'd say. And so since then, uh, my wife and I have, I mean, there was no gig. So we just picked up and said, let's just start moving. We're traveling. Nice. So that was, and I'm still playing, like I'm still creating, I'm still doing my own thing, but it's very right. much, uh, the focus is on helping people lose weight and feel amazing mm. and just enjoying life. You know, we've been given, given such a, an opportunity with the, with the whole pandemic. Like, obviously there's a shit storm going on, but we got to take advantage of it. Life happens for us, not to us, you know? So, right. Well, and yeah. it's, it's interesting because that's a common theme. in a lot of mm -hmm. my interviews with musicians on this podcast, I have a wide variety of different, you know, backgrounds, but uh, musicians, because so many of us have been completely sidelined and it opened up this idea of learning to enjoy mm -hmm. life in a way. And I think, so, I know for myself and a lot of other conversations I had, people were starting to realize like, damn, I was always going, I was always on the road, always doing this, always doing that, where it, it's made me appreciate things in a whole different way. Yeah. And like you said, like, I know I have friends who are struggling so hard in this, so I don't mean to minimize that, but I know for me, that was a piece that has been a beautiful thing in a way. And yeah. like, even down, like our boys start virtual school, our, our boys have been doing virtual school for a full year and uh, they go back next week. And it was that mm -hmm. moment, like I actually got emotional. My wife was sharing, she's like, I'm kind of emotional about this. Like they, our boys have barely left our sides <laughs> for an entire year. And our yeah. oldest is going to be going to college. Like he graduates high school next December. And, and so it's like these moments we, we, there were special moments in mm -hmm. it and embrace it. And, and now like tomorrow, we're just going to go out and hang out together. <laughs> All of us. Yes. Cause it's like this, that season of life is over. We still have to be cautious, obviously. Whole, like you mm -hmm. said, the shit storm's still happening. <laughs> um, but but yeah, those moments, I think, have been beneficial for a lot of people. Um, mm -hmm. One thing about the music industry, it's so comprehensive and such a hard industry. Mm -hmm. um, and I I feel like I love entrepreneurship uh, so much. I've like done my own roofing business and like we do a commercial cleaning business, like all these kind of things. And I but I feel like the music industry uniquely, if you let it, <laughs> can prepare you to do almost any entrepreneurial endeavor you put your mm -hmm. mind to. And so I'm curious for you, where did the switch happen where you're like, hey, I'm doing this music thing, but why don't I step out and start this new business? Yeah, yeah, fantastic question. And, and it's real uh, near and dear to my heart because the, at the heart of it, you know, we talked about how I was the old me, you know, the old version, making all these questionable decisions. And then right. I figure it out. Like my wife and I lose a ton of weight. We feel so good overflowing with energy, just always feeling amazing. Mm. 
right? And which deepened my relationship with her, deepened my uh, practice sessions with my bass. And I was able to improve on all these levels. And I'm able to show up earlier to the gigs when I wasn't just the late bass player. And I was, you know, staying later to, to make sure I'm helping clean up and, and I'm not just the drunk guy anymore, you know? And I'm, I'm, I'm able to impact lives differently just from being healthy. And at the end of the night, when you know people are coming up to you and they're all really drunk from playing all, you know, from drinking all night, and it's the audience or other uh, band members that played earlier or whatever, they come up and drunkenly say, "Like I could never do what you do. Like I, how did you do that?" And I could explain it to them, but they don't remember because <laughs> they're. <laughs> You know? Like, let me, let me, uh, write it down for you. You just put yeah. that in your pocket when you wake up in the morning. <laughs> right. And, and it was so, um, heartbreaking, honestly, to know that these tools are here and I could shout it from the rooftops, mm-hmm. but until someone's ready to change, they won't do it. Right. You say, oh, the, like one guy would come up to me on a regular basis and just say, dude, I need to quit drinking. And he's hammered every single show that I played. Yeah, you probably should. (laughs) Yeah, dude. Like, thank you for supporting my band. Like, your bar tab alone probably pays half our, (laughs) you know, every (laughs) night. But but still, like, I care about you, man. Like, I I want you to be better. I want you to feel better. And he would come up and and confess that to me on a regular basis at the end of the night. Mm -hmm. And after seeing that so many Mm -hmm. times, I, I just needed to do something. And then it was actually during a five-day water fast that I was doing that it was like some sort of like strike of lightning from God or the universe, whatever you want to call it, just like hit my head and just like, do it now. Make the change, help people. That's awesome. So it was it just like, it, I didn't have a choice. It was like suddenly being put on a mission. And That's so- amazing. Yeah, it's and I, I'm so glad that it happened. Like, I'm so thrilled that that happened because otherwise, I was still like, even with this abundance of energy, I still wasn't doing enough with it. I wasn't <laughs> changing the world. I was still like, all right, I can eat even more because I can run even more because I can. <laughs> but it's like, just ne- that next right step. That's what you were doing, yeah. right? You're just keeping going. Right. But that's so. Is there like one or two things specifically that you could point to? Sorry, Siri is popping up. I don't know why. Oh, yeah. All right, there we go. But um, are there one to two things maybe you could point out that directly correlated? Like, I learned Mm. this in my music career, and and man, it benefited me to launch this new endeavor. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I learned that uh, if I don't learn to take control of myself, right, not just in nutrition, but in my discipline, then I can never uh, stay successful as a musician unless someone else is making all the moves. Like the drummer for my band is an amazing entrepreneur. And I, I daily have more and more respect for him because he would make sure that we always had the next gig. We always had the next uh, thing lined up. We always had the next recording session lined up. We always had, you know, he was making that happen. And Those I felt like so I was, valuable in a band. Oh my God. Whoever Corey, it is, I love so... you, man. I could never do. <laughs> well and, done, Corey. Yeah, the man. And, uh, and so seeing that and realizing that without that level of discipline, I, I couldn't succeed in my own business. That's huge. Right. So that's one thing that directly correlated it. Whenever I went to do my own venture, like when I did voiceover work or when I was playing more solo shows or wanted to do more songwriting, like if I didn't apply that same discipline that Corey was showing, Hmm. everything would fall flat. (laughs) And so once I really hammered home and went for it, went for it, then things would start to come to fruition. But because you notice those failures and learn from them, 
that's where it can correlate with any other business. That's awesome. You got to do the next right thing. Thanks, Frozen. Like, <laughs> <I know. laughs> back to it. But I, I love that theme. <laughs> you have to do it. You know, you can't think yeah. what's the next right thing. You have right. to do. Well, and sometimes artists, oh. we can, I can get trapped in in this. Oh, like yeah. I'm dreaming it up and and thinking about it, which in some ways I think has has been a, a strength of mine, where I can mm-hmm. see down the road. But the problem is, is when you never take <laughs> that next right step to even like yeah. get on the fucking road, get off the sidewalk or whatever it is to get there. Mm-hmm. And that's amazing, man. There, so there was a conversation. Uh, I had, I, I think I've mentioned Enrique from making movies again. It's yeah. fresh in my mind. We just had a great conversation uh, a few days ago, but he was talking about the concept of self-sabotage. And mm-hmm. uh, he actually had talked about even like the drinking on the road and touring mm-hmm. where he shared a story of, he had this big gig uh, the next day. It's like an NPR thing out in Washington. I think it was Washington DC. And, and, and he knew it. And he's like, but we we're doing this pickup little gig, you know, and I have free drink tickets. And at this moment, I saw the drink tickets and I was like, fuck it. Everyone's going to bed. I'm going to go party. And he's like, Mm -hmm. the next day I go to the show. He's like, we did well, but, Mm -hmm. but I knew I wasn't full. I wasn't my hundred percent, you know, it was like 70%, 80%. And, and he hit me with this thought of like, he's as, as he's reflected on it is he realized it's a self-sabotage thing that Mm -hmm. he was getting stuck into because he was actually insecure that he wouldn't do well with it. So in a way it's like, well, if I drank too much last night, I can blame it on that instead of, and I, it made me think about the times I was drugged by my band out of a hotel room to get up, to go play a noon show at a college campus or, and I'm like, (laughs) Oh God, you know, like (laughs) let's get through this thing. And it hit me. It's like, man, the insecurities of it, self-sabotage. Do you see that? a lot in the music world. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that statement? I, I don't know what that would stir up for you, that comment. Yeah, a lot, man. And, and yeah, absolutely, I see it. And whether it's in the, the music industry or in losing weight and, and changing your lifestyle, it's something that's really, really common. Mm-hmm. And and there's a, a couple different uh, ways of explaining it. Ed Milet has a really good way that I've heard him explain the this internal thermostat. You know, so like a, a thermostat, you set it in your house and it's going to say, oh, what temperature is it? Let's bring it up to where I set the thermostat. Or if it's too hot, it's going to bring it back down. Everybody has a thermostat setting for every aspect of their life. So when it comes to uh, success, whether it's in your music on stage or, or with your business, you have a thermostat setting that you're used to. If it starts to dip below that and there's not enough like cash flow in your business, then you're going to start to hustle and get it back up to that thermostat setting. If it starts, you start succeeding even more and more. If you haven't figured out how to change that thermostat, you're going to self-sabotage to bring yourself back down. Mm. And we see the same thing, especially with uh, the people that we work with losing weight. We have to shift this subconscious programming, these things that we have on repeat over and over that set that thermostat that say, oh yeah, well, I'm used to being 235 pounds. And so if suddenly I'm doing better and better and I'm down to 215, I'm down to 210, man, I'm crushing it and whiskey and booze for a whole week straight. Brings you right back. And so we have to do this subconscious programming to to revamp that thermostat setting, to get it to where you're gonna stop self-sabotaging. Yeah. 
So, so it's critical. And the truth is, man, like you're always going to suddenly hit a new upper limit and screw yourself and <laughs> fall have back to down. Man, that I'm getting chills just hearing that analogy, especially as I, I'm still thinking about the conversation Enrique and I had like yeah. that is so huge. It made me think about like my first marathon, like the night before I stayed up to like one in the morning, like, why the fuck <laughs> did I do that? And right. it's like, again, it's like, I knew it wasn't hundred percent when I'm starting. Uh, mm. but man, that thermostat thing, that that's huge. That's yeah. super huge. And and man, like when I, I see artists, especially our worlds of you're in and out of bars and clubs. And like you said, mm-hmm. you had a guy come. It's kind of part of the reason they hired you so you can get people to stay there and drink or come out. Yeah. You, know? um, mm-hmm. you live in this world where there's so many opportunities, whether it be drugs or uh, or alcohol, whatever, to sabotage yourself. And I wonder how many more successful musicians there would be because it's so hard to find success in this industry, in the music industry. Um, Mm -hmm. if, if those environments weren't there because it's like, damn, it's just almost too easy. And, and you got to set, set your own limits, your own boundaries. Definitely. Definitely. And and that's a really big struggle, I think for a ton of musicians Mm -hmm. and a ton of artists in general, especially because our industry is focused on entertaining other people. Right. So your, your purpose while you're in that venue or recording that song is to help someone else have a good time. Mm-hmm. And they worked all week. They had all this stuff going on. They're coming to you for a release. And so it's your job to bring the party, to bring right. that emotional release for them. So if you're not on that vibrational uh, wavelength, it's not going to bring them that level of release. So, so that means that I need to be the purveyor of the party which is awesome to help someone have a great night. Mm-hmm. But when you see the same people doing this over and over, right? And when you see that, that for me, I struggled with my purpose and, and like my, what am I doing here on earth? When I was the one screaming at the audience, drink, drink, <laughs> drink. And we do this, like in Nashville, you see people do the holler swallow, we would do the same thing, right? So you get everybody to raise their glass, count to three, let's all like scream at the top of our lungs and then drink a whole bunch, right? Right. And if someone in the audience didn't put their drink up, I would call them out by name and say, drink, motherfucker. What is wrong with you? Here and now I am, you're I've got a Pellegrino backwards, so it looks like a Heineken bottle, right? And so they don't think I'm the sober guy, right? right. And so really big disconnect there. But, but because of that, because we're the purveyors of the party, it, it drags us into that. Right. So by nature of our industry, we're really like putting ourselves in a really vulnerable spot that we have to be so mentally, spiritually, emotionally strong to hold our ground and set those boundaries. Like you said, mm-hmm. and if we don't have that, then we just fall off. Right. So it's, it's really a, a I mean, a, like a hazard of the trade, as far as I can tell, you know, every musician that I've talked to for the most part has had an issue with this. Mm-hmm. And I actually know some uh, who are recovered alcoholics that play mm-hmm. in bars still, but for yeah. them, they have a very like strict, I don't touch anything like, and mm-hmm. they, they've found a way to make it work. Some, I think there's probably some who have had to leave that environment. I mean, mm-hmm. there's other opportunities to play. Like if you know, you can't handle the bar environment, you know, corporate events, uh, weddings, like not every wedding is, is dry, but <laughs> there's still a lot of opportunities <laughs> right. there. Um, I, my old bass player, uh, he, he would never touch alcohol during a show. 
and yeah. he would drink, and it was part of his lifestyle. But during a show, he had just kind of been mentored as he came up. He we called him the band whore because he was always in like eight <laughs> bands, and <laughs> and. Oh, uh, yeah. But he's like, I, I learned real quick I couldn't function at, at my highest level. And mm-hmm. so I think it's figuring it. Like, for me, it's like, wh- how much am I? am Like, certain certain gigs I won't, certain gigs I will. How much will I? In the beginning, it's almost making those decisions before you get there mm-hmm. um, help, too. Because in the moment, it's like, all right, free whiskey or, you know, <laughs> <laughs> free wine, yeah. whatever. So now right. it's you, you seem to have a very strong command of, of like, your purpose and and where you want to go, where you want to help take other people. Uh, so it makes me excited to hear your answer to these last two questions. Uh, it's just the, the Live and Create podcast, talking about living a great life, creating great things. I'm curious, right now in your life, as as you're taking these you know next right steps, <laughs> how would you define living a great life? Yeah, absolutely. In this current moment today, for me, living a great life is just deeply experiencing. I like that. And it, it sounds kind of like mundane, but I've done too much meditating on it. So I love it. And so it's, no, I, it's I don't think it's mundane at all. I think yeah. that's a powerful statement. And, and thanks, man. Yeah. And I realized that the more that I search through what really brings me joy, what really helps me make a difference, the more deeply that I experience every moment, every segment of the day, like every, every, like if my phone's on airplane mode, I'm not going to look at something right now. You know, I'm here for, for us, right. So we could bring more and experience each other and, and help the audience. And, and the more that I can experience deeply, the more fulfilled I am and the more that I can bring to the world. And so to me today, that's, that's my one thing for today is to experience deeply. <laughs> Tomorrow might be a little different. Tomorrow right. might be I'm having some damn tacos. But, but today <laughs> it's experienced deeply. Well, and and that's where I've actually gravitated to asking, like, right now, how would you define living a great yeah. life? Because even as I'm on the journey myself, figuring those mm-hmm. things out, realizing it does shift and it does yeah. grow and uh, change. And sometimes you revisit things. But uh, there's a spoken word artist named Odrod, um, great, like, artist man and during our interview he talked about simplicity of like right now and he does videos of it it, it he has a little what is it a veggie cutter like a, <laughs> a vegetable slicer there it is yeah yeah he literally just videotapes himself slicing vegetables to make dinner for that night and he's like i'm just learning to love that vegetable slicer and i'm i'm cracking up <laughs> because i knew i'd already seen some of his videos online i'm like I'm like, this dude's into the, <laughs> this vegetable yeah. cutting thing. But then he brings it up on the podcast. And because he's he wants to experience just even these small little things. And it actually inspired me because I'm typically trying to fly at like 30,000 feet thinking through all these things. And yeah. I, I found this like habanero like sauce that I was like, you know what? I'm going to just fucking enjoy this habanero sauce right now. And like, yes. I, I was like, this is nice. I yeah. like it. And it, in a way, it almost opens up. Uh, the rest of your your world around you. So mm-hmm. that's awesome, man. Now, uh, as of today, right? How yeah. would you define creating great things? That's a good question. I'm going to come right back to do the next right thing because that those are my my mantras as of for today is like I need to experience deeply and whatever the next right thing is, man, I, I know 
that because I'm, I'm connected to myself, I'm connected to my spirit, connected through the universe juice, whatever you want to call it. Like I can feel that it's going <laughs> to deliver to me the next thing I should probably do. Yeah. Even if that thing is kind of detrimental to uh, like my business at the time or to my mm. uh, health at the time, I, I have faith that whatever that next thing is, even if it hurts, well, it was probably the right thing as long as I learned from it. Right. And, and you learn more quickly when you experience deeply. So the, the Ray Dalio says pain plus reflection equals progress. So whatever happens, doesn't really matter as long as you can reflect on it and make progress and, and use that to choose the next right thing. That's amazing, man. I love it, dude. Well, let everyone know how they can connect with you and, and also if they're interested in signing up for services. Yeah, absolutely. So you can always uh, find up my website, rustyosborne.com. Our business is called Find Your Total Health, totally designed around uh, creating and implementing a system that works for you to live your longest, most healthy life and to lose weight quickly, safely, and sustainably. Once again, bringing it back to that sustainability, we help primarily men lose weight permanently. That's the name of the game, right? And so you can find me on the website, rustyosborne.com, on Instagram at thecoachrusty. And uh, if you want to email me, call me, send me a carrier pigeon. I'm sure you can find my number. Go for it. I dare you. So, <laughs> and, and the Instagram is on point, man. I love the clips. It's been inspiring me uh, in my own process and what, what the next iteration of the podcast for me looks like. And so, yeah, if, if you're listening to this, uh, definitely check out the Insta as well. So many great tips in there and, and just entertaining. Your stories are, are great. Like, so I, I was like, could I get him an actual bouquet of avocados? How would I pull oh that off? God. But you have but no, I, clue. I was like, bro, that's hilarious. <laughs> well, man, we, we can go take our next best steps and, uh, yes. I'm sure we'll, we'll connect. Thanks again, uh, for making the time. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much for having me. No problem, man. Thank you for listening to the Live and Create podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure you subscribe and leave a comment or a review. The Live and Create podcast.